Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I am super excited to talk with Danny Lennon, who is the host of Sigma Nutrition Radio, who I think anybody who is into the science fitness space, which is a lot of my listeners, they are going to be familiar with who Danny is. And I've had the pleasure of chatting with him a number of times, actually two times before he has been the first ever guest on my podcast, YouTube channel, or whatever. So in many ways, he has been the person who catalyzed my entire content creation journey. So it's a nice uh, time to revisit this place. And uh, I've been, of course, a big listener of you, Danny, and a big fan as well. And today we are going to have a bit of a unique discussion in that um, we are not going to be forcing any kind of nutrition and training related topics just for the sake of it, just because that's what we should be talking about. But we will just talk about interesting things about you, your journey, revelations you've had and I've had, and uh, hopefully it will be interesting for the listeners as well. So with that long preamble, thank you for being on and how are you doing? Oh, thank you for asking me to do this. And uh, I'm excited for a conversation like this and some very kind words that you said in the introduction. So thank you for that. And yeah, I'm doing great, my man. Um, Doing really good. And uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting. Awesome. So yeah, I, I just asked you in the beginning if you were in Ireland. And the reason I asked that is because I heard that you moved to Vienna at some point. So how has that gone? Is that still going on? Like, what's the deal with your uh, living conditions? <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm, I'm back in Ireland right now for the moment, although I have no long term plan. I'm kind of in the middle of deciding what I'm doing and where I'm going in life and where that will end up being. Uh, but for the next couple of months, I guess I'll, I'll be around here at least. And who knows beyond that, maybe longer. Uh, but yeah, you're right. In, I'd say mid 2018, I moved to Vienna, Austria for a, about three months total, I think it was. Um, I'd been there uh before for a seminar uh, and the guys at, at das gym kindly asked me to come back and do another uh, seminar in, in 2018 and so at that time i'd been thinking about moving abroad somewhere and and living somewhere different for a bit and so as i was thinking through that i remembered oh well i have to be in vienna for the seminar in a few months so it wouldn't make much sense to move too far away and then I got the idea, well, what if I just moved to Vienna for a bit? And uh, I knew the guys there. It's an amazing uh, place. Uh, the city is wonderful. The The gym is amazing. And, and the people are really good there. So I did that. And um, yeah, I, I loved my time there. And at the time was thinking of staying probably a lot longer. But kind of some other things uh, personal-wise were happening that meant I ended up coming back then uh, later in the year uh, back to Ireland for a while and then at the end of 2018 I went out to Australia to visit my brother for a bit and that ended up turning into a accidental eight months of traveling and so um, yeah and so I only got back then eight months later um, which which was only recently maybe about uh, six to eight weeks ago and um, so, yeah, now actually planning on, OK, where am I going to be longer than the next little trip? So all of it was quite random and happened uh, kind of spontaneously, a lot of those decisions. But my uh, time in Vienna was was really cool. I got to go back there again a few months ago uh, and I'll actually be going again in December uh, for another seminar. And uh, so who knows, maybe I'll end up there for a longer time in the future, too. 
Right. That's awesome. And I'm envious as well. I think um, the picture you just painted is sort of the the dream for anybody who is getting into the online space with some sort of career-like ambitions. So speaking of which, when I first came across you and your podcast, it was already quite apparent that you were more serious than just any kind of random podcaster, hobbyist out there. Like you've been already putting out seminars and things like that. And that was back in 2015. Just to clarify for me and for the listeners, is Sigma Nutrition your like absolute full-time thing at this point? I'm, I'm assuming it is. And uh, off of that, was it the case when I first came across you in 2015? Uh, yes, is the answer to both of those. Uh, Sigma has been a kind of a full-time endeavor from really from the moment that I, I launched it. Uh, previous to that, when I was doing my master's in nutrition, I had an old little blog that doesn't exist anymore. And I used to write some, what if I looked back at them now would be pretty terrible uh, articles, but at the time was the best I was capable of. But that was just a way of learning how to craft articles, being able to put my own thoughts down. And I was doing that as I was doing my, my master's degree. Um, and previous to doing my master's in nutrition, I had been a teacher in a high school teaching science for just a year. Um, but when I made the decision to start Sigma, that was a, a full-time thing from there. So that was from uh, officially the, the start of 2014, but kind of a couple of months leading into that, I was doing some related projects, I guess you could say, uh, in, in kind of nutrition uh, consulta- consulting and things like that. Right. So um, if, it, if it was already a full-time gig from pretty much from the get-go, that I'm assuming means that it was fairly successful from the get-go. And if I'm correct in that assumption, what did that success look like in practice? So I think I kind of got lucky in the mindset I used to approach it in that quite early and I, I don't know what had influenced me to think this way but when I started it I was willing to say okay there's going to be a considerable lead up time before this is going to get to a level that I actually want in terms of the reach of the audience um, the money that's going to come in from the company but that's all kind of secondary right now I said the, the my first focus for really the first couple of years that Sigma was uh, live online was on the quality and consistency of the content. And so back then, really, at least for the first year, maybe year and a half, you couldn't come onto the website and actually pay for any service or product. All you could find was the articles, uh, podcasts, uh, and so on. And then maybe a year and a half in, I started, um, I'd been doing some kind of coaching, but that hadn't really been advertised online. I started doing a bit more of that, doing the seminars. And it wasn't then until uh, maybe a couple of years after that, again, before the uh, weight cutting system, which is an an ebook and and other resources came available. So I just had that. And again, whatever was in my mind at the time of, okay, I'm willing to almost sacrifice uh, chasing some sort of monetary goal within these kind of first year, one to two years and focus really on how do I put out the best quality content and do that consistently and, and make that as good as I possibly can. And and of course, I was doing some coaching more locally, so just nutrition consulting uh, for people that start to follow uh, my stuff. And it was really about, can I get a 
enough to get by and be able to pay my bills, um, but not necessarily push it too much or chase that as the primary thing with, with Sigma. And I think that seemed to, to pay off pretty well. Um, in terms of when things started to really uptick, I, I think I started the podcast in April 2014 and that grew organically and it was growing steadily and i think by by the towards the end of that year there was like this inflection point where it just started to build momentum and it almost looked like a, an exponential curve as, a, as opposed to a linear line and um, it just continued to grow then month on month and so the podcast was the big thing that kind of exploded and everything else that i've done since came off the back of the success of the podcast really as that was the primary means of people getting familiar with uh, my ideas, my philosophies, the type of content, and has really led to most other stuff in that realm. Right, right. That makes sense. What do you think, uh, I want to talk a bit about podcasting, because uh, that's a fairly obvious thing <laughs> uh, in this case. What do you think was that made it possible for you to see some really good success with the podcast? Because as you know, there are a lot of podcasts out there and most of them are just so bad. <laughs> like uh, it's, it's, podcasting is becoming just such a commodity. Like everybody has one. And I personally don't mind that, if anything, because there are just more mm. people that are going to invite the folks onto their podcast mm. that I enjoy listening to. So I don't mind that aspect of it. But most of them, because of that reason, that there are just so many of them, will disappear into the ether. And yours uh, has seen some really good success. So what would you attribute that to? Do you think there is an element of just right. timing and being one of the firsts in the space? Or are there, like, where would you give yourself credit there? Sure. Yeah. So one of the first things I always allude to people to is that any success in life, I think that anyone really experiences, we should acknowledge the luck that probably plays a role in there. And that's no different in this case, that there's luck in a number of different ways, like just luck of uh, the resources I had available to me or where in the world I happened to be born or all those minor things that we could push the side for the moment but more directly one of those was like you say the timing that i started mine in early 2014 and not many people were really fanatical about podcasts back then a lot of people didn't really know what they were or cared and i think 2016 they started to really take off and then like 2017 you just see this explosion in podcasting so there was a, it allowed me to have that kind of build up time where i already had an established audience and was relatively high in in the podcast charts by the time that kind of podcast explosion came so that certainly played a role and it also allowed me that period of time to essentially hone the skills of podcasting uh, because i've definitely changed how i approach podcast episodes how i do things hopefully the quality of them has got better uh, or at least i would hope it has and so i had that extra bit of buffer time uh, of, of practice essentially i think um, so all of that ties into the timing and the luck in terms of things that I think I have done well, or at least what regular listeners of the show tend to report. Um, there's probably a few components that I typically advise if people are looking to follow the same type of model, or at least what, how I try to do it. One is in the types of questions and just spending some actual time thinking about interesting uh, threads to go down. And that 
this is particularly important if you're talking to a guest who has been on many other podcasts or who's a regular on several podcasts within the space. There's no intrinsic value of asking the exact same question they've been asked before. Um, because one, it's probably not that interesting to you if you already know the answer. But also second, to the guest, it's probably not that interesting. And if it's not interesting to them, the answer is probably not going to be uh, delivered in the same way. Similarly, you can tell podcasts where people are almost setting someone up for the answer, right? And they, they know what they want them to say and they're just trying to tee them up for it. Or they've sent them the exact questions beforehand and there's almost like this scripted preparation to it like they're easy to tell it just doesn't come off in the same way as i think of a good organic conversation which um, at least try to aim for and so that that was one component two on the preparation what I, i tend to do now is prepare a lot in terms of the research i do in that particular area knowing publications on that specific topic or at least that the the guest has done really think through some of the concepts in that area and think of uh, subtopics that would be interesting to explore, but I don't actually list out direct questions because I want them to just emerge naturally through the conversation. So I have an idea of what areas we might want to get into, but as they're talking, I want to be able to go and dig through something interesting they say. And and again, one of the problems you find with some podcasts is if someone has a direct script that they have uh, bullet point list of questions, the guest will say something really interesting and then they'll just go on to this next random question that has nothing to do with it instead of being able to follow up with something interesting. So I think being able to listen and and pull on interesting things someone says during their conversation comes from being really well prepared but not being scripted. And they're two very different things that I think sometimes get confused. So um, they're the big things, I think having lots of preparation done, but not scripting things, um, trying to ask interesting questions or go down interesting avenues, and also giving the guest the room to explore their own thoughts, uh, not jumping in too soon or not trying to feed them something that I want them to say. Open-ended questions that allow them to explore their own ideas throughout the conversation. And, and they seem to be typical things that people have reported that they've enjoyed and have, have worked out well. Um, there's lots of things I, I still actively try and do better. And I think there's lots of room for the podcast to get considerably better, uh, which hopefully it can do in the future. But for right now, I think any of the reasons why people enjoy it or find it useful, some of those things are at least playing a role. And, and was that just um, obligatory, humble addendum for the end? Or do you actually think that there are things that could be considerably better? Oh, no, I, I genuinely believe uh, lots could be better in terms of, not only um, how I currently do things, but other ways that this show could be structured and trying to keep it um, not necessarily completely changed, but keeping something new and innovative about it in some way. Because, I mean, that's the issue now because of where podcasting is. And like you said, how many podcasts are out there? And by far, probably the majority of those are going to be interview-based shows because they're probably the easiest one for someone to get up and, and going. Um, and so it's trying to think, okay, what ways can we showcase this person's expertise or get the best out of them um, for the listener? And, and what things can I do to facilitate that? So like, I, I'm sure there's episodes I can listen back to and I was like, yeah, I, I didn't do a 
the best job I could there, or maybe the energy wasn't right, or oh, I should have followed up with this question. So like, there, there's always to, ways to get better at that. So I, I, I think I'm certainly nowhere near having perfected the art of, of podcasting. And I, I think it's a, a long process. So yeah, um, I, I wouldn't be as arrogant to think that there's no, nothing I can get better at. Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, are you a big podcast listener yourself and listen to other podcasts? I, I do listen to several podcasts, but almost no nutrition podcasts and very few that are related to, um, say, health and fitness, at least on a regular every week basis. Right. So I'll dip in and out of certain podcasts that I know are, are quite good if I see a particularly interesting guest or the topic is something that I'm very interested in. Um, there's people I know that are doing really good podcasts within health and fitness right now. And I've definitely listened to some of those episodes. But in terms of a ongoing weekly basis, listening to nearly every episode, those podcasts tend to be one outside of the sphere of, uh, say, nutrition. And I think that helps me in some way one, you just got to have other interests, uh, I think. But two, I I sometimes worry about the risk of um, if I was only listening to other nutrition podcasts all the time, and especially if I'm talking about the same topic or with the same person, I don't want it to subconsciously default into just being the same things or saying the same things or being structured in the same way. And so I think keeping away from that helps, but also listening to podcasts and interviews that are done in completely different areas still allows you to not only accumulate uh, information because I'm interested in those things, but I think maybe on a smaller level as an interviewer, you pick up interesting angles that they've approached stuff at, but it's not actually um, changing the structure of your show to be more like another nutrition or fitness podcast if that makes sense so i there's there's uh, quite a few others and i'm happy to talk about what they are but uh very few yeah could you list them yeah sure so um one that i don't listen to all the episodes because there's too many but i would listen to certain guests regularly is joe rogan which i think probably most people do anyway it being probably the biggest podcast in the world um I listen to a fair number of Tim Ferriss podcasts. Again, I think they're just a variety of different types of topics. And I think he actually does a pretty good uh, job with that. Um, the only health-related podcast uh, I listen to semi-regularly would be Peter Atiyah's podcast, um, just because most of that ends up being in the area of medicine. And uh, I just find them interesting and, and well thought out and they're, they're quite in-depth, which is what I like about those. Um, other ones that I like, there's one called The Knowledge Project um, by Shane Parrish. Um, so people may know he has a blog called uh, Farnham Street, I believe. Really, really well-written blog. But he's now been doing a podcast called The Knowledge Project, which is pretty cool. Um, Sean Carroll, uh, the physicist, he has a podcast called Mindscape, which I listen to a decent number of those. Um, what else? Uh, Sam Harris's podcast, Making Sense. Uh, I listen to that uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm sure. What else? Uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Uh, I've dipped into from time to time as well. Um, they're probably the main ones, unless I'm looking for a specific topic. Um, uh, on something, if so, if it's related to health or fitness, I, I know which ones to go to there. But um, they would probably be the ones that most regularly uh, I, I would listen to. Right. Yeah. Just as a 
interesting observation. What what I observed over the years is that the podcaster or interviewer skill is probably on average quite low in what we are doing in the fitness uh, space. The the number of interviewers that are actually good at all the things that you listed in the beginning, like asking good questions, doing their homework beforehand, being attentive to what the, the guest is saying, and a lot of those things is, is very, very small. When I tune into some sort of a business or personal mm. development, a lot of these other types of podcasts, and I can't even really name a lot of those, but things like the art of charm and, and things like that. I'm always amazed just the difference in quality. Like a lot of those guys are really rocking it in terms of being good listeners and good interviewers. So I think you're, that's probably a good idea from your end to uh, mm. tune into other podcasts. Right. And, and one thing that's probably related to that, like, uh, so there's probably a couple of reasons. Like you say, there's just so many people starting a podcast now because they're being told that's what you should do, right? This is a form of content that's kind of hot right now. So just start a podcast. And so a lot of people start up and maybe don't have the same amount of time uh, as uh, to prepare stuff or maybe just don't want to do that. And that's why the interview podcast is so appealing because people presume it's going to be easier than it is, right? I'll get on a really good guest that people like listening to. I'll ask them some sort of just open generic question and they can just talk for five minutes and then all is well. Whereas that, like you say, you can tell it's just, it's not really a good interview. It's, it's quite poor. Um, but on the other, the, the other kind of component is that I can understand that too, in that a lot of the podcasts that get started now is kind of like a side kind of afterthought for most people, right? They have their primary business. Um, let's say in health and fitness, they might be coaching. So they might be in a gym all day coaching people. They might have online clients. All that's their primary stuff. And just as a way of keeping content put out, they'll now and again do a podcast interview, which is, uh, again, that means that they just can't put the time and effort into researching, thinking about questioning, thinking about the art of interviewing that I can. So I, I realize it's not the same for everyone and, and that's fair enough. But those podcasts that I just li mentioned that, that you, that you um, said were, were like people who do a really good job with that, most of those people, their podcast is the centerpiece of their business model, which is the same for me, right? The podcast is the, at least there's nothing bigger than it for me. There's other things I do, but it's still a primary centerpiece as opposed to an afterthought. And the same with Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, Sam Harris, all these people, their podcasts have now become their primary content production and the thing that they'll put in a large amount of time into because of the scale it's grown to. And so with that, you get much more episodes, probably much more deep thought about questioning and those types of things. So I think that might be some of the reasoning as to why um, if someone is just starting it because they were told to or just because, oh, I've got an hour spare each week, so I'll just grab someone and do an interview, it's um, you obviously just can't put in the same resources uh, in terms of thinking through questioning and research and that type of stuff as someone that can put more time into it. Yeah. Now, off of that, one thing uh, which I think is relevant here is I think also a lot of those people who just start a podcast because they think they should, I think a lot of those people have maybe a false expectation of what a podcast can bring to them in that uh, they have, it's almost like they have the idea that a podcast is essentially a free marketing billboard or advertising billboard. Like, this is my platform. This person who has his own or her own following is going to come in here. 
attract his or her audience to mine or to my platform, and they are going to get familiar with me, and maybe some of them will stick around. And in some cases, that does make sense. But many, many times, uh, and that was the case for me for a very, very long time, I did not actually have anything for people to stick around other than just other interviews. But maybe this is a question to you. Mm. Um, how would you describe yourself at this point? Would you say you're a science communicator? That's I'm, that's how I would describe you, a podcaster slash science communicator. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think that's a, I would take that label. I think that's a, a fair um, description and probably not far off what I, I would probably come up with if someone were to try and get me to drill it down to a couple of words. Um, because yeah, it's essentially a, a middleman position, right? Of knowing that there's so many extremely high quality academics who are doing real high level uh, science. And there are a lot of people who want to have evidence-based practice either themselves or with a lot of my audience tend to be personal trainers, nutritionists, dietitians, doctors. And it's that kind of middle piece of connecting uh, those in a way that's going to be useful um, rather than sometimes those worlds can be completely disconnected. So yeah, I think it's trying to translate that information. So yeah, I think science communicator uh, sums it up pretty well. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, as I asked you that question, you've been able to give a very well thought through response, which I, I could I could feel is something that you've been thinking about before, and now you have clarity over. And what I would be curious at is, um, you know, when I started out podcasting, I was very much one of those people that I just described a minute ago, that's okay, I'm going to do interviews with people, uh, I'm going to gain some traction, and I'm, I'm going to build a following. And then Eventually, I actually had to stop and pause and ask myself the question of, okay, what is it that I'm actually trying to achieve here? And certainly, I really do enjoy, enjoy podcasting. Like, whatever is going to happen with my online presence, even if I abandoned this entire thing as a career pursuit, I would probably still do podcasting as, as a hobby thing or in my free time because I genuinely enjoy doing them. But from a, a business perspective, at some point, I had to stop and, and think that, you know, certainly there is a lot of value in bringing the wisdom of other people mm. to the audience. But at some point I said, you know what, to me, that by itself is not enough. Like I want to have a more direct role in making a positive change in people's lives. Like I want to be a content producer myself, not just a facilitator of information from other people getting to the audience. Now, you've been able to bridge this gap very well and you're doing your own seminars, you're being invited to conferences as a speaker and people look up to you and you know the, the industry as a whole knows how smart and knowledgeable you are. But did you have at any point sort of a, a dilemma, like an internal conflict with that, where you were like, do I just want to be, you know, a podcaster, like a, an intermediary sort of person? How was that process for you? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I think, I wish I could say there was a master plan before I started the podcast of what would be, but really it was like anyone. At that time, I was thinking about what ways can I distribute information and what what different forms of media could I do that? And I was like, well, I'll start this YouTube channel. I'll start writing all these articles. I'll do a podcast because I like listening to podcasts, even though it wasn't really that big of a thing at the time. Um, but pretty soon after starting, I found that podcasting was the one I liked doing the most, was getting the most traction by far. 
and just seemed to suit my either personality or skill set or, or a combination of both. And so I was lucky that pretty early I made the decision, okay, I'm going to pull back on doing this other stuff and put more effort in here. And the second part to it is what you described earlier, Abel, is that people have this mistaken idea of, well, I'm just going to ask these people with big followings onto my podcast and then their following is going to come over, start following me and it's going to grow that way. And I can certainly say from experience, and you can probably, uh, I'm, you might have a similar experience, that the following that a guest has, has almost no predictive value of the number of downloads an episode gets and certainly the number of your regular audience and how it grows. And I started to see that pretty early. And that was a really, really useful thing to see and to internalize because what it ended up happening is then I no longer cared about what following someone had. And I started picking guests who were kind of obscure that didn't really do any podcasts that were just academics that would publish papers and weren't really interviewed anywhere because I was like, they have interesting stuff to say. I'm reading their research anyway. I wonder what they want to do a podcast. And over time, that's been interesting of how many people that listen to my podcast have uh, commented on the fact that, hey, I found so many people that I was never aware of just through the podcast there's these people that they don't even have a social media account. They're, they're not anywhere that you can find, but I listened to them for an hour and this was really, really interesting. So I, I found their research paper and that kind of drilled into the purpose, uh, of, which is what your question was, of, of what was the thing that I saw that role as. And it was like, oh, now I'm actually having this ability to connect research that's being done by really, really good, smart academics that is doing meaningful work, but they're not out there on social media, they're not out there publicly facing. And now here's a way to connect that. So it's not to say that that, that there's no one that I get on that has a, a big following, that there certainly is, but that comes nowhere into my mind of of what following someone has because i learned that that it has no relevance to how many downloads an episode gets or certainly who's going to follow my show people aren't going to follow your podcast because of who you had on it people are going to follow a podcast because it's done well and regardless of who is if they know the guest or not if it's a really interesting conversation and really intriguing to them and, and done well they're gonna subscribe and say i want to hear more of these types of conversations so again it was just luck to be able to learn those few lessons relatively early and that kind of shaped what i wanted to do with the podcast which was have conversations that the sole goal was to be thought-provoking and to maybe guide someone down the direction of these certain concepts or this piece of research make them aware of it put it on the radar because most of the people that listen to my podcast one are, are going to go and learn stuff for themselves anyway they're already really motivated to learn they're already out seeking things out they already have a really high level of, of foundational knowledge and it's just putting things on the radar to go and explore because i just know how easy it is to be uh, when you want to learn stuff to come across the wrong person and if that's like a let's say a, it's a classic pseudo-scientific guru that sounds really convincing and is using a lot of scientific jargon. And if you end up kind of falling prey to that, a lot of it isn't the people's fault. And so it's saying, well, there's a lot of people here that want to learn. And if I can just guide them in the right direction by actually putting real academics and evidence-based practitioners on their radar through these kind of thought-provoking conversations, they can decide what to take from it then. So all of those things, I suppose, ended up naturally emerging what I found my role to be, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And a thought that I have off of that, and then I would love to hear what you think of that uh, thing specifically, is that I think um, part of the early wins and early infliction points uh, in someone's journey as, especially as like an entrepreneurial type person, I think part of that is actually getting a clear direction as to which way to go. Because I think one of the biggest challenges is that someone might have a a vague idea in the beginning, like, okay, I want to make a career for myself in this space, but they don't really know what they should actually be focusing on. And as uh, David Allen says in his book, uh, Getting Things Done, you know, the key to productivity is to feel as good about the things that you're not doing in the moment as you are about the things that you are doing in the moment. And when you don't have that clear direction, it can be just really, really challenging because in any given moment, you could be prioritizing something else. Like you said in the beginning, you were writing articles and you were making YouTube videos and there were a lot of things which you could have prioritized. And by having those early epiphanies and the podcast taking off, you've had that clear sense of, okay, this is what I should be focusing on. And as long as I keep doing that, things are going to keep growing. And for many people, the challenge is not actually grinding, despite what Gary Vee would say. It's actually knowing what to grind at. That's mm-hmm. something I always say. So what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, of course, you need to work hard at something, but I tend to push back against this, that that grind mentality. And it's, uh, you just need to work hard enough and things will happen because or at least it's my experience that that's not necessarily true. Um, and there's plenty of times where I don't feel that I'm working super hard. Like I don't think I'm driving myself into the ground day after day after day for weeks and weeks. I, I think it's more targeted in terms of knowing what to do. And that's exactly the point you're making of knowing what things to spend your time doing. And when you're clear on that, you don't feel guilty for not doing other stuff, right? So now I'm in a place where if I have the things done that I I know are the core uh, tasks and uh, piece of content and um, jobs I need to do related to my work that, that bring me success, if they're getting done, then I don't feel guilty about having downtime or not writing articles or not having a YouTube channel or or not doing all these things. When you don't know what you should be doing, then you're always going to feel guilty for, because there's always something else you could do, right? And I think you can end up being lost. So I I think, yeah, working, um, working efficiently and working effectively are two different things. And just working hard at something that is not productive and useful to you uh is kind of pointless in the end and so it's, it's not just about working hard um and the, the difficulty becomes in deciding what to put your focus into and that takes a bit of time of deep thought thinking that through talking it through with people testing stuff and trying to have some degree of i would, I would say self-awareness um and maybe a combination of those of those things right right so just like one last point on the podcasting thing um I don't believe that you would have fallen for this too much because like you said, you're doing a great job at selecting guests that are not being uh, chosen for your podcast based on their following or those kinds of reasons, but based on their research and your interest at the time. At the time, But I think every once in a while, everybody who has a podcast will fall for that moment where you're kind of out of ideas. You don't really have anyone on your radar at that point, And you're like, okay, 
let's just get someone on who can talk about training and nutrition and eating your protein or whatever in a reasonably intelligent fashion and let's just have a super generic conversation i've i've had a handful of those not many luckily but i've had a couple of those where i was like Man, I honestly interviewed everybody for this period of time that I ever wanted to interview. I have no idea who I should get on next. Let's just reach out to this guy. And I know it already that I'm going to be asking these questions. And I know that his answers are not going to be that interesting. Nothing that I don't know. Nothing that I think my audience doesn't know. But let's just do this interview anyway because I need something for this week. Have you had any moments like that that were anywhere close to that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I've definitely had points where afterwards i was kind of disappointed that i didn't spend more time thinking about a different direction with the questions so for example it could be someone who has expertise in a specific area but i've done an episode previously on that same thing or um, even recently on the same type of topic and if any of those questions are the same as what I've asked someone else before, sure, they can be still interesting because you're getting different perspectives. But if it's something that isn't an opinion question, if it's just going through a certain fact about physiology per se, and it's being recycled from a relatively recent uh, podcast, it's, uh, it's again, it's like, should I have really done that? Could I, is there not a different direction I really could have gone down? Um, thankfully it doesn't happen that often, but I'm sure it certainly has. And I think there's, um, there's probably a couple of occasions I think that haven't been recently, but maybe within the first couple of years, um, that I think back now where I didn't do enough due diligence on a certain guest. Uh, so a couple of those episodes I've actually ended up taking down for things that came out about that guest after the fact, um, I, I, some of them relate to kind of research fraud essentially and uh so that came out after the fact and i just thought it would be unethical to leave those there knowing that this is someone who actually engaged in research fraud so i, I couldn't have predicted that but if uh if i had spent more time asking around um about that person as opposed to just looking at a, a resume uh, i may have been able to pick that up so there are a few things that come to mind um there's and, and there's probably plenty of episodes where if I listen back, I'd be disappointed in my own performance in it that I wasn't uh, uh, awake enough at the time to ask a good follow up question or I missed an opportunity to go down an interesting route. There's probably plenty of those, but um, they're the only things that are coming to mind right now. Right. Now, just to give us uh, an idea, because I'm actually curious because I don't exactly know, like how far have you gotten actually with Sigma Nutrition and with the company, like how far has it expanded in terms of um, the opportunities that it has brought to you, which you never expected before? Yeah. Yeah, man, ev everything. Like I mentioned earlier, I think most of the things that I've I've just been really lucky to be able to do over the last few years um, are, are nearly all probably off the back of the podcast, or at least that's what I would presume of in terms of say any of the conferences or seminars I've been able to do, I've been lucky enough to go and speak internationally now. I've been to like Vienna several times, been at Amsterdam a few times, been now to Australia for conferences, uh, been to the United States. So like being able to speak internationally, all of that has came off the back of people knowing Sigma, knowing me primarily through the podcast. Um, any of the, the things I've put out like the Sigma weight cutting guide, again, 
the success of those were predicated on having an audience that at least a majority of them first find out about us through the podcast um so pretty much any of those opportunities uh, like uh, yeah just everything else that i've done whether it's like talking to companies or or doing all these things that are outside of the podcast nearly everything has been from the from the podcast itself you know um and, and again there's there's probably a an obvious aspect to that right if because the podcast has been the primary thing i've focused on for nearly six years of course then anything i do is is going to be related to it that way and so if i'd done something else for six years could i've done the same things or done something else maybe um but yeah at pretty much any of those opportunities and even more than that the people i've got to know uh, like there's several people I, I've now met in person that I got connected with either as a guest on my podcast or they'd heard my podcast or they they like listening to it and I've got to meet now in, in person and then several of them are now good friends of mine uh, or at least I'd class them as um, and other people I just I can get to hang out with now and um, so yeah I'm just really lucky that all this stuff has happened off it and literally none of it was planned so like I said before I wish I had some big master plan when I was starting this all out um, but I am not good at long-term planning I'm very much someone that says okay I'm going to try this project this is going to be the thing I'm going to focus on now and um, with the podcast at least things have just come off the back of that I've just done things stayed working at it and just opportunities have came up that I didn't plan for didn't even think about and um, have just happened so yeah out of curiosity how do you um, do you batch record a lot of episodes um, in advance or how do you uh, like to go about that uh, I don't try I don't like to do it too far in advance um, I just think um, just in case anything happens in the intervening time that would be relevant to it plus if I've discussed a recent piece of research it's good to get it out earlier um, and I just don't like leaving too long in between um, but I will usually have a few done and that usually depends on what my travel schedule looks like and what my uh, other project commitments look like so if I have a let's say a month coming up where I know I'm going to be traveling for a lot of it or I have another project that I'm committed to that I have to put some focus on then I'll try to make sure I have several extra podcasts done um, but apart from that it, it could be from anywhere as short as maybe um, like four uh, podcasts uh, in the bank uh, and sometimes that gets even lower at times where I've been traveling or been away. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like to have it like a year in advance or anything crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the people who have successful businesses, whether it's a podcast or a coaching business or consulting or whatever, uh, with a lot of these guys, you have a feeling that, man, like this guy is, is a born entrepreneur. Like, I don't know, someone like a Luke Johnson is, is coming to mind. Um, would would you say you're that kind of a person that like even if the podcast wouldn't have come together like you would have found something where you can just like crush it and travel the world and um have a successful business to be honest i, I don't know uh, i really don't know I, I never had thought of myself in that way and, and like i say when i originally um graduated from college that was to become a, a teacher and so i thought i was going to have this typical kind of steady job and be doing this thing and quickly realized that it wasn't suited to me and I, I didn't like the structure of it I didn't like the everything that goes to with the admin side and the discipline side of that job and 
um, when I, I, I just knew I want to do something related to nutrition. And from there, it was like, well, the obvious thing is I'll, I'll start my own business to start coaching people and uh, I'll put out some content and everything else just came off the back of it. Now it's at the point where I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine working uh, full time for someone else and not having my own thing that I'm working on. Um, so yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it was always in me or not, but um, certainly at this point, now that I've been exposed to it, I would always need to be having some sort of project at work on myself. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. The, the reason I'm asking that, well, there's a couple of reasons because there, I have some follow-ups. The first one is, you know, the, we talked about the Gary V grinding mentality thing. And you mentioned that when you have, or we both kind of agreed that when you have a clear direction and you know what you should be doing, then you don't necessarily have to grind that crazy hard all the time. And sometimes people mention some crazy number of working hours per day and per week, like 10 to 12 hours of work per day, 80 hour weeks. I frequently am kind of curious how those 10 to 12 hours look like. Yeah, like, do you have like crazy long meetings or something like that, which just take up a lot of time? Or do you count answering like 1500 people in email every day? Like, does that count as work? Because, mm. you know, like true work that is demanding and requires your full attention, maybe sometimes creativity. I mean, man, even an eight hour day, if it's eight hours in that there is no way that you could have done it in less hours, that's incredibly demanding. And people who have office jobs, even yeah, they are there eight hours a day, but that's not eight hours of continuous work. Right. That's that's eight hours in an office. So right. it's um, probably an hour of actual <laughs> work for a lot of people I know anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even like five hours is ambitious, right? So um, so, so like what, what would be that hour for you if you actually just count the actual worked hours per day? Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm the same as you. The, the way I, you would define work is the important thing here. And so one of the books that's influenced me a lot in this space is Deep Work by Cal Newport, where he essentially talks of those blocks of time where you're going deep, distraction free on cognitively demanding tasks and looking at where you can kind of set up your, your time to be able to go into those deep blocks of time. And so with that, I don't count things like answering emails, um, doing basic uh, upgrades to the website, going through social media, posting Instagram, uh, things onto the, the business page, um, any of those types of tasks. I could be sitting down listening to music or uh, in a group of people kind of chatting, doing that type of stuff. So I don't really count that in those blocks of time. But if it's those true blocks of deep work, like you say, I mean, you're not going to get actually that much. And so I would say it'd be even half that number. It'd be like, if I got four deep work hours, that is a lot of work in a day, even less. Like if, if I did like a, the true deep work, the way that uh, is laid out by say Cal Newport and the way I know I can get into, and that's like a complete block where it's full on deep cognitive thought, working on something. If that is a three hour block, you can get a considerable amount of really high quality, effective stuff done. And if I can do that, then really that is a success of a, a, a productive day. 
So sometimes it'll be less, but if I can get that block done, then that's in terms of big projects that are important, that is almost as much as I need. Um, then of course you would still have to include those other tasks in it, but I don't track how much time I'm doing email because uh, I probably should batch that together a bit more, but I tend to just like check that randomly throughout the day and get that done when I've spare time or lunch or whatever. So I don't know how many hours those types of tasks add up to, but for those like deep, tough, hard thinking, distraction free hours, like I'd, I'd be surprised if I routinely go beyond like three, maybe four of, of those in a day. Yeah. Are there a lot of these uh, kind of soft skills like uh, deep concentrated work and things like that, that you find you had to improve a lot at uh, over the course of your um, journey with Sigma Nutrition or that was never really the bottleneck in your case. Yeah, it's something I've actually even put more focus on even within the last year or two because I, I'd been trying, like I read that book a, a few years ago and I'd already been aware of trying to get like deep work done. Um, but it's something that I need to keep reminding myself on because it's so easy to get distracted through things and let processes slip. Um, and even when you have your own spare time and your downtime, when you're not doing work, the typical behaviors we have will influence our ability to be able to concentrate. So if you're constantly checking uh, Instagram or, or anything else on your phone constantly all, all throughout the day, or you can't stand in the, the queue at the bank for a couple of minutes without needing to do something or this constant need to be distracted and do stuff, you're losing your ability to be able to concentrate. Uh, and I include myself in that. And it's really easy to happen. And it's it's not hard it, or it is very difficult to have the discipline to not constantly be checking things and being distracted by social media on your phone when you are have no work to do, when you're just relaxing, right? Um, and it, people would say, well, what's the problem then if it's your time off? And the problem becomes is that you it's a behavior you're ingraining to constantly be checking it. And then when you try and do some work, Work and you're sitting down there's something in the back of your head telling you to check your phone so sure you could have left it turned off somewhere else but that's that thought is still popping up so that's been something i've tried to be work on and i still need to do it a lot better um and still train myself to be better at those things um and, and it's something that i think i'll constantly need to do because in, in this day and age it's it's really difficult not to uh get distracted uh by things and and to be able to just sit with your own thoughts for a few moments is is not a normal thing to do anymore. Yeah, and and, and I almost feel like that once again comes back to what we were talking about earlier is that um, I think a lot of people have read that book and I know that when I read it, I was very, it was very in, in, inspirational and I was very much sold on the idea that by mastering the ability to focus and to eliminate distractions, I can become like a superhuman amongst all my peers almost because it's just such a rare thing to be living your life deliberately in that on the front. Um, but it, it again comes back to what you're actually trying to do and do you have clarity over your priorities and where you should be putting that work into because if you're, if you're starting out and you're not even sure what you should be prioritizing, it, it's almost like just another form of creating anxiety for yourself. Like if you're not even sure whether that thing is the one that you should be working on, then it's really hard to commit to really focused work. Um, and, and that's something I fell into 
at certain points where I was trying to implement uh, the teachings of that book is that, well, okay, I'm going to focus on this thing like crazy. But at the, in the back of my mind, I always had this fear of, but maybe this is not even what I should be doing. And then it was just a complete mess. And when you have that clarity, I feel like a lot of those things almost take care of themselves. Yeah, it's not easy to do either. It, it takes some time to actually sit down and, and think through that stuff. And th there's probably different ways you can prompt yourself with questions of what you do want to spend your time on. And some of that comes down to like just planning if it's in a, in a business sense, but just in terms of like a life design sense as well, that's an important aspect of it. Um, just so that when you are putting dedicated time into it, you have faith that it's it's actually worth something because it's really hard to put concentrated effort into something if you don't know if it's actually going to be worth anything or it's not going to pay off or what is the point of me doing it it's just never going to happen if you really think that you can get something from a concentrated period of time then it's quite easy to do that it's why we can study something where we are going to get an in an inherent benefit from doing so but we find it difficult to study things that we don't see the point in doing and, and so i think it's the same thing it's having like like the word you use clarity over some of these things will allow you to be able to tap into those things a lot easier yeah speaking of which um would you consider yourself to be a personal development um I don't want to say junkie, but uh, I, I sort of meet two types of people in my life. And one of those are, you know what, like, these are the things that have to get done. I'm doing those things. There is no magic. It's just you put your ass in the chair, you get your work done, and then you do whatever you want. And then there is this other camp, which I kind of move in and out of that camp, which is like, basically, every day, you're doing certain things. But those are not just means to an end. Like every day is an opportunity to improve yourself, uh, improve the way at which you're looking at the things that you have to do, um, improving your attitude, you know, always reading personal development books. How could I improve myself as a person, not just the outcomes of, of my actions on the work front or relationships front? Um, so it's almost like one camp of people that I meet is kind of cynical about personal development. The other camp is very enthusiastic about it. Um, and oh, of course, a lot of people move in between. But how do you feel about personal development um, per se, if that question makes any sense? Yeah, sure. And I think it depends on what we put under the umbrella of, of personal development. I think a lot of um, books that are written as and touted as uh, self-development or self-help um, or personal development type books that are, are written in that manner a lot of them are actually not really that useful or not really that good i think there's a lot of uh, there can be a lot of wishy-washy stuff in that area that isn't useful and however there's some overlap with some concepts that I've, i'm more drawn towards which would be related more to philosophy and so someone could have some ideas that they put into let's say some uh, personal development book but they may mirror lessons that come from let's say stoic philosophy and i think there's inherent benefit to something like stoicism or other, many other different types of branches of philosophy or just thinking about what we're doing like what is the point of what we're doing what, what brings us happiness and peace um, thinking about morality and, and way to orientate ourselves. Those types of areas, I think, are really useful. So whether some of that crosses into personal development or not depends on what someone is looking at defining. I think a lot of like popular self-help books are probably not the center of the bullseye, but I think 
thinking about what what philosophies we should live our life by is really really useful and different types of philosophies um will probably resonate with different people but exposing yourself to those will be uh, useful and so one thing that over like the last few months that i've thought about is um having certain orientating goals so what are what is the kind of one line that I should keep in the front of my mind of that should orientate my decisions and I should have one for myself personally, my, my personal life, and then also in a, my professional life. And so, for example, my personal life, for me, the one thing I kept thinking about is how can I have a life that gives a sense of deep inner peace? It's not this kind of chasing of anything extrinsic per se. It's not chasing happiness because that's very hard to define and it will change over time. But there's this feeling that we all know about just times where we're neither ecstatic or sad, but just on a daily basis, we have this kind of constant just peace, right? And it's something that we almost forget about or don't think about until it's gone. And at the times when we know it's gone, we just feel terrible. And this is when we have those feelings of um, anxiety about the future. We have this kind of unsettled feeling and that we can't quite put our finger on or there's something, maybe some sort of trauma that's gone on. And so what decisions can I orientate towards this kind of feeling of, of peace or, or whatever term someone would define that by? And then with the professional one, it could be something like I should orientate my decisions around my job being to allow others to learn via my own learning and my own exploring of ideas and people. And that's essentially what the the podcast is, right? It's like me trying to learn from these people, me exploring these different ideas. And by me doing that, hopefully others are allowed to learn. And that's that should orientate my decisions in a professional sense. So th- th- I mean there's so many different ways you could you could think through this. So I but so whether people want to think of it as philosophy or not, I think thinking about the, just thinking deeply about the world in general, thinking about what we, how we live our lives, how others live our lives, and what way uh, would give us the greatest sense of well-being in the long term is probably a really useful exercise. Um, and then how much of that bleeds over into self-development, I don't really know. I actually love that. Like I, as I was listening to that, it was just really um, pleasant to to hear those those things. Do you have uh, some concrete? examples of that like um how you're trying to strive uh, to achieve these things like i i do like the idea of um internal peace uh, because it's a lot more i think all of us kind of intuitively feel what that means um because i think a lot of us live with this chronic internal anxiety where there's always something that is making us resentful either about the future or or the past uh, just so many insecurities and um yeah, just just things that are always creating this disharmony inside. Um, do you have some con- concrete examples of how you're trying to um, optimize that for yourself? There's a couple of things I've been thinking through recently, and one is about challenging assumptions, which is actually makes the point about why I think some self-development stuff is not useful because it doesn't start from a place of thinking about the assumptions we already have about what will make our life better, right? So for example, someone could say, well, list out all the areas you want to get better and we'll make a specific plan, right? So how do you make your your body better? How do you get more money? How do you do X, Y, and Z? All these goals, we'll list those out and then you go about putting a plan together. And that's what this form of self-development or this system is about and sometimes that can be useful but sometimes a lot of people should be in a position of saying 
hold on, what assumptions am I making about what is actually beneficial, right? Do I actually need to change my body per se, right? Is that actually going to give me what I think it's going to give me? Is is that what is making me unhappy right now or do I just think it is, right? And the same thing with um, whether it's it's making more money or not. Those could be things that, that would be useful to someone, but sometimes we don't even ask if that's the case. And, and more and more, I, I think it's not about... It, changing many of those external factors that actually get us further down the line it's more about changing our perception of stuff and actually just realizing the stuff that's actually important and unfortunately just this take seems to take a lot of us just a lot of time to do uh, myself included and that we can easily slip back into um but for for example one book i've, I've recently started reading is called the second mountain by david brooks and it's essentially this idea of uh, we we all kind of are climbing this mountain towards things we think we want. And then we get to a certain point and we realize, actually, that's not what life's about anyway. And then our journey to up this second mountain actually starts. So I, I think maybe thinking about what assumptions we have and asking, are they actually important is a good starting point. Um, another example that comes to mind that I've been thinking through recently is one question. I actually think I heard it on... Uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast and I don't know who originally said it or where he got it from but he had mentioned a, a question that we can use to ask, ask ourselves when we're going through those times where we are feeling anxious or lost or directionless or in, in, a, in a place where we don't want to be right uh, either emotionally or otherwise and it was essentially something along the lines of how am I complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want and I started to think about that because there's so many times um, that over, let's say, if, if I've been thought for myself over like the last year and a half or so, where I, I, I have this thought, man, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel this way, right? Or don't want to be in this position and really ruminating on that and feeling bad. But this question is really useful. It's like, well, well, what am I doing that is actually making me complicit in creating those conditions? Is there anything I could change myself that wouldn't make me be doing those things or ha these conditions that I'm complaining about? And I, I think those types of questions can be quite useful. Um, and so there are a couple of things that I've been thinking about lately. Um, I don't know if that answered the question, but there, there are th just a couple that came to mind because they have been ones that have been in my mind over the last uh, period of time. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Do you have anything like that in your professional um, life? Uh, so usually it's, it's I, I find with that is um, typical planning stuff is more useful of like um, on, on a more ongoing basis, like checklists of stuff that needs to get done and then ranking that on what, pro what longer term project this is related to, how important is that, um, and then trying to put some sort of priority on the things I could be doing. And if I didn't do this certain task, would it matter or not? And if I did do this thing, how much of a big payoff could there potentially be? So just trying to focus myself on continuing to do the things that are going to have the the most meaningful impact instead of just being busy doing stuff that probably doesn't matter. Um, so I think reevaluating now and again, what tasks are taking up a lot of my time? Are these things as important as I think they are to be? And one way to get around that is, okay, if, let's say I just don't do that this week. What would be the worst that happened? Um, and what things uh, am I just putting off that could actually have some sort of big payoff? So there are some of the more uh, simple ones that come to mind in, in, in a business sense. And, and do you have any um, 
examples of things that you used to think even relatively recently were essential and you have to do them and then you decided to you know what like this is just not moving the needle let's just not do them and see what happens um i think for me for for a long time it's not that i was even doing it but i was um almost telling myself off for not being super prolific on social media so like i I was like, oh man, I see all these people and like they're really active in like Facebook groups and, the, and the, they're getting in tons of all these cool conversations or these people that are like really prolific at putting out lots of Instagram stories and getting feedback or there's these people on like Snapchat or what, whatever as, and you can let yourself think that you're you're missing out on something or if they're doing it, you should be doing it too. And um, more and more when I ask myself those questions about what's important, it's again, realizing everything is a trade-off. It's not that those things are inherently good or inherently bad. It's that if I decide to do them like other people are doing them, I'm going to have to give up something I'm doing now. And so where is that going to come from? Is that going to take away from tasks that I need to put that deep work time towards? Is it going to take away from other things um, that I'm doing in my day outside of work? Like, like where is that going to come from? And I have to just evaluate if that trade-off is worth it to me. And and so realizing that there's there's not really as many right and wrong answers for stuff like that. It's just everything is this trade-off that you have to work out for yourself. And, and so I've just kind of been a bit more easy on myself, I suppose, in that area. Right. Um, so I, have, I will have a kind of a random question for you in a second. But first, are there... Um, and luckily, this podcast is not so huge that this could create some huge conflict or whatever. But are there certain personal development books that everybody... Like, you know, like there's, there are always those questions at the end of uh, podcasts and interviews where like, what are the most influential books that you have read or that changed your life or whatever? And that a lot of people list, like there are a couple that I'm sure you can think of as well, where it's on everybody's list, like men's search for meaning, for example, that's a very common response, things like that. Or there are some like that, which everybody seems to be citing as that book was incredible mm. and you just like don't get what the fuss is about. Like you read it and it's like, what the hell? Like this was like really nothing special. Mm. Let me think. Um, I'm trying to think about what popular ones I read that didn't really resonate with me. Um, there, There's one that I know a lot of people talk about. Um, it, it's kind of like a popular psychology book um, called The Chimp Paradox. I think it was Steve Peters is the author. Um, so I've heard a lot of people reference it and it seems to be like like well known um and i think i i remember i i listened to the audiobook of it quite a while ago but a, a friend of mine hugh gilmore is a sports psychologist and i remember talking to him and he is he basically just tore through this thing and and just like saying all the flawed assumptions and misinterpretations of certain research and, and where he disagrees with the author on it and he said he, he's actually challenged him at academic conferences in psychology on some of these ideas and then i was like ah, this is kind of interesting. This is like, this is what happens in nutrition where we realize this, right? And, and we know that there's these like popular books and people just presume they're good, but we can see all the flaws in them. And I was like, I'm just a complete novice, obviously, in psychology. I can't vet this information of this book I read. And so from there, it's kind of, that's been one that I, I see people talk about how good it is so often. And now I kind of chuckle to myself because I have this um, 
different perspective because someone with some expertise in the areas kind of talk through some of those ideas uh so that that's one that comes to mind kind of the reason i'm asking this is because i want you uh, and, and i've asked this from a couple of people or one person that comes to mind um in specific right now but i want you to give me a pitch for tim ferris because I, I think i've heard you mention uh, some time ago that he has been very influential on your life and uh, also that you tune into his podcast i don't know personally i you know, I, I like his style of writing. I will give him that. And uh, he has had some pieces of advice, which I did like. But I don't know, like, I just find the guy so wacky. And his style of interviewing, I don't know, it just seems fake to me. I, I don't like it. It's just his tone is disingenuous. Um, but that's just my, me, be, me being an asshole. I don't know. Um, and then just, just for me, you mentioned your friend who is a sports psychologist. I mean, you know, I know um, more than the average person, certainly, or, you know, I, I know a thing or two about nutrition and training. I listen to what Tim Ferriss has to say about that. And it's like, man, this guy has the audacity of sitting there in front of the camera, hundreds of thousands of people watching his stuff and saying the ridiculous things that he does sometimes. I mean, and, and that's something that I know about. So if I can tell that he's doing that in this realm, then what does that say about the advice that he's giving in, in other realms, which I don't know that much about, but I might just think that that's true because I'm not an expert in those. Um, and I, I don't know. I've never been able to identify what this guy is actually about. Like just so many random things that he's talking about. Um, so like, can you make me understand what's so appealing about this guy? First of all, I'll say I totally get it. And I, I've had this conversation with other people and I don't actually disagree with you on, on some of those points. And I can actually understand where, um, because I've had lots of people say to me, or, and I've seen lots of people talk about it as well, of how they some people just flat out don't like him some people believe he's just like a total charlatan some people say well he's actually just talking nonsense about all these different things which is it look i totally get it and on the nutrition and training front is again where i can see anytime he's talked about nutrition is just something i, I just don't listen to because I, I i just don't think it's accurate in the same way i don't listen into a joe rogan episode when they're talking about nutrition just because I, I won't enjoy it because it's just not something i think is is accurate so with, with, with ferris sure you could make a good point there of look if he is talking about nutrition and uh, and and he is saying things that we know are not accurate here maybe he's doing it in other areas but i don't have the ability to vet that which could actually be true where i find his value um more so and why i'm not as worried is not necessarily in any of his let's say uh, teachings or specific points that are uh, his own original material but most in him talking about ideas he's got from other books other people certain philosophies bringing those up on my radar and for whatever reason maybe i'm super weird like tim ferris but i just seem to think in the same ways he seems to be doing or in search of the answers he's seems to be trying to answer or, or these different areas and so like many of the the books he has talked about or recommended that i've then and gone read i found really useful and to be good um i think i see him he will talk about stoic philosophy and i'm a big fan of stoic philosophy um i'll see he'll have and uh several interviews that i found really fascinating with, with fascinating guests i then went 
on and, and explored their stuff um even within his book the four-hour work week which again people will will obviously tear apart and say is gimmicky or this that and the other there's there's certain questions within there and certain exercises about questions to ask yourself at a certain point that by doing that exercise myself just by asking myself that question i've got something useful from it as opposed to that's not me taking any information or or system or anything he's giving out per se so why i totally get what you're saying the reason why i think i can be fairly confident and still enjoy uh consuming content he puts out is because most of the value i've got is him discussing things he has learned from elsewhere other resources other ideas that other people have that could be yeah well-known stoic philosophers or well-known scientists or musicians or whoever and then i find i just i don't know i can't explain it i find those some of those things interesting and go and look into that more and that's kind of uh it's led me down several rabbit holes that have ended up being very beneficial and and so because of that maybe it's just a, a bias i'll have but it's at least confirmed to me that some of the resources or places that um he he has led me have ended up being useful for me yeah uh, that's a totally reasonable response and uh I would say that you sold me on it, but I just don't like his style of interviewing. Like, <laughs> just right, yeah, and th that that happens, right? So it's if if you if and there's lots of people that uh, aren't gonna like certain types of interview styles or the way someone communicates, or they're just they just feel there's something off about it. You're never gonna enjoy uh, listening to those. So yeah, there's plenty of other good places. Is the only good thing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, and it's it's kind of unfortunate actually, because part of me feels like I'm missing out on something. You know, it's like, man, because he has a lot of interviews, long form. You know, it's if if I did like it, it's I would have a lot of cool stuff to catch up on and and binge listen to and and stuff, and mm. that would give me a lot of cool listens to my commutes and stuff like that. So it's kind of a shame, but that he puts me off. Mm. But he, yeah. Well, well, then I I'd suggest you maybe try the Knowledge Project podcast um that i mentioned earlier because there's uh similar types of guests on that and the conversations are are, are just a bit different they don't they don't feel like a, a first podcast but they go deep on some of those interesting topics with those similar types of guests um those would be good so and if people want to check that out I, I would recommend starting with the jim collins episode that i found that particularly useful yeah cool yeah i, I will give that a go uh, cool. So that was a kind of a weird note to end on. <laughs> uh, usually this is not how podcasts escalate. Um, but honestly, I kind of went through everything that uh, I've had in mind. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been really cool uh, talking with you and, and discussing all these uh, different topics and kind of for me as well, catching up a bit more on what has been going on with you and getting a better insight uh, into your story. Because uh, um, everybody knows in the space how good your podcast is and anytime someone is asking some expert or someone at the end of a podcast like what good podcast do you recommend sigma nutrition is always in the top three that they mention so everybody knows that yeah everybody knows that about you but i think some people might not be familiar with uh, where you came from and um, some of these ideas that you have so it's been super cool and i really enjoyed this so thank you so much for doing this
yeah thank you man i really enjoyed it um really liked the questions and it's been cool to talk about some of this stuff yeah awesome so yeah just let people know um what you have coming up any kind of resources that you would like them to check out and yeah just anything that you'd like to mention sure so everything is probably over at sigma nutrition.com they can check out all that stuff uh any podcast app they can find sigma nutrition radio um if they just put my name into any social media they should be able to find me pretty easy just danny lennon and then for anyone based in europe uh, i'm going to be doing a seminar at das gym in vienna on december 14th so if you need yourself a reason to get over and see the best gym in the world then this might be your chance so december 14th uh doing a full day nutrition seminar so if anyone wants to do that um that all the details will be up on their website so i think that's just intelligent strength uh you'll be able to find that i myself actually may need a reason to go there um because i've been there a few months ago um but i definitely mm. feel like i need a reason to go back there <laughs> yeah man it, it's it's a place you want to keep coming back to it's amazing yeah and at that time i was cutting hard so um i couldn't try their uh porridge at the gym buffet so um i feel like i need to uh, catch up on that one there you go there's a good reason as any yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. <laughs> cool man uh it's been a pleasure talking to you and um good luck with everything you've uh, your uh that you have on your radar and uh, yeah, keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been awesome. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, then please, once again, consider dropping a five-star rating on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it would be truly helpful. And if you're interested in more cool stuff, then you could visit my YouTube channel. If you type in sustainable self-development podcast there or even SSD podcast, it will come up. And if you're interested in working together with me, then you can check out the Calendly link in the show description. There you can book a free call with me. We can hop on that call, chat about your goals, challenges, determine if we are a good fit. And if that is the case, then we could be working together going forward to get you to the results that you want. So that's all I had to say for today. I hope you enjoyed this once again. And with that, see you next time.